Welcome to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch, and this is a podcast of conversations with doctors, developers, and decision makers that are playing in the Australian health tech scene today. With me on the show today is Marcus Wilson. Marcus is the CEO of Surgical Partners, a solution that's helping practices around Australia integrate their accounting information with their practice management system, and it does much more, which you'll talk about. He's a former healthcare analyst for Macquarie Group and an engineer by training. Marcus is passionate about implementing technology-based solutions for the complex challenges facing healthcare practices. Hey, Marcus, thanks for joining. Great to be here. Cheers. I feel like it's been like this is something that should have happened a long time ago. Like it, when I think of the health circuit in 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 Australia, you're 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 all over it, man. So I'm surprised it's taken this long to get you on the show. It's 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 good to be here. It's good to have you here. <laughs> oh, it's great to be here, and um, you know, it's been a journey for everyone in this space. You know, it's. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that should have happened in healthcare a long time ago, and uh, you know we're all, you know, suffering through that that journey, and um, you know, spending all that patient capital that we have to spend to to break through. But um, you know, on we march, and uh, yeah, it's exciting to be here talking about it. Cool, cool. Well, we'll go through a lot of different things. So um, let's let's kick it off with the usual. Of tell us what what Surgical Partners does. So Surgical Partners is a financial management platform for medical practices and their practitioners. So um, if you think about us as a uh, platform solution at the back end of medical practice, much like an um, integrated health record would be a uh, platform solution at the front end exchanging you know, uh, personal health record information between patients, uh, facilities and practitioners, we're at the back end exchanging financial information between facilities, practitioners and you know, um, increasingly uh, online sources of um, interaction uh, with patients and therefore the financial information that's generated by those, inf- uh, that, those interactions and making sure that that's accounted for and reconciled and uh, you know, just integrated nicely and uh, is a frictionless experience financially for uh, the various actors in that system at the back end of the value chain. So... Is is it is it is it more than just making sure doctors get paid? I mean, it sounds like like the needs of of in health have kind of like as I've seen anyway, the needs in all kinds of areas of health have changed over over a period of time. So, how has practices evolved and uh, over that time that's really created this solution? Yeah, so I think the big change happened a number of uh, decades ago where the industry moved en masse to a services trust model for the delivery of healthcare services where um, GPs and uh, and specialists and, and dentists, as good examples, would work as individual um, ABNs. So the, doc- the doctors or dentists would be individual ABNs and they mm. would work under a services trust model at a practice where the practice would retain a percentage of their billings to cover practice costs right so the, the doctors aren't like employees they're 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 their own little businesses within the business type thing absolutely and that has all manner of complexities mm. with accounting um particularly for the practice but also um you know it creates a lot of downstream paperwork and friction for the individual uh, practitioners as well yeah. um and because a lot of that's paper-based it involves a lot of expensive human hands it uh, involves a lot of error it involves a lot of compliance risk around things like gst being accounted for correctly but um, one of the, the biggest outcomes of that uh, mess at the back end that's developed over the last couple of decades is fraud. So fraud, right. 
is an enormous problem for uh, the industry. It's an enormous problem for us as taxpayers because literally hundreds of millions of dollars that is meant to go towards patient care just you know goes through the the point of care and goes into the sand at the the back end of the practice and. Um, you know, uh, while we like to think that uh, everyone in healthcare is honest, unfortunately, there are a lot of uh, under the table transactions going on, and um, staff, admin staff, and unfortunately, even practitioners who are who are running off with um, with money that's you know meant to be for for patient care, paid for by uh, you and I and all the taxpayers listening. Yeah, good. That's well, it's not good. That's, <laughs> That was, that was ironic. Good. Um, so, so I mean, it sounds like there's 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 a, a good reason to have what 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 you guys do. I mean, you've been outspooking that that kind of message about about um, streamlining that that flow of information and making it easier for for fixing that big problem. I I, I can't think of anyone else that that does what you guys are doing though. A- am I right? Or, or, or like, who do you compete with as a product? Look, there are some very, very small competitors. We hardly see them. Um, they do a fraction of what we do. Um, and I think our biggest competitor is just, um, you know, legacy. Yeah. It is uh, spreadsheets. Yeah. It's calculators. Yeah. I was going to say Microsoft Excel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, people sort of, you know, love their Excel spreadsheets, you know. There's practice managers who, uh, you know, they get handed down this magic spreadsheet. mm from mm. the practice manager before them. And, uh, you know, I think we forget that spreadsheets were invented around the same time as fax machines. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> And uh, it is well and truly time. And, um, you know, a spreadsheet is not a digital solution. It's a, it's a stopgap. Mm. And uh, um, they're absolutely not needed for, you know, the vast majority of medical practices and their financial management needs. Yeah. So, so – it's about so just make sure I've, I've understood it correctly. It's about making sure that the doctors have the right information for their own, essentially for their own business. Making sure the practice is um, doing doing things appropriately as well, and that we're trying to eliminate fraud. You mentioned you're doing more and more things as well through through surgical partners as well. Is there is there more to it other than the, just the, the the making sure that people get paid properly? Yeah, it might be a good opportunity just to sort of bring it all together because I've talked about a lot of things there, and maybe to really boil it down. We're taking financial information from a number of different sources, and the, the most common source is the practice management system. So that's the mm. source of truth for billing information that a practice runs on behalf of the practitioners that work there. So that's one source of uh, financial information. Another source of financial information might be um, telehealth services. Right. Uh, it might be repeat scripts. It might be, um, you know, VMOs working at a public hospital. So, mm. you know, they have to get paid for being there. So you've got all these sources of income yeah. and um, different people along the way, be it a telehealth service provider, will take a clip of that income. The practice will take a percentage of the income to manage that, uh, you know, doctor's facility on their behalf. It's like a rental stream. And so all of that financial flow at the moment is, as I said, besides our clients is being uh, done very manually. So. We're about plugging into all those sources of information, mm. applying the business rules, whatever they might be, for a percentage retention to the uh, to the practice or to the technology provider, and then we integrate uh, the practice's share if they have a share into their accounting system, mm. and we funnel the practitioner's share through an app which we have called the Doctor Hub app or Dentist Hub app, Mm. all the way to their ledger. So the end point of all of this data flow from the patient or from the government 
you know, through the, the claiming systems of the practice, um, the practice taking the share through to the doctor, all the way through to the um, the doctor's endpoint, which is their ABN. Right. Their ABN ledger. That's what the, the ATO is interested in at the end of the day. Okay. And that whole movement of financial information, we want to take the friction out of it from end to end. So when we talk about our mission, our mission is to pioneer the frictionless financial management of medical services. Mm. And I truly believe that we are doing that. There is no one doing that end to end, reconciling the bank through it um, to make sure there are those checks and balances against fraud, distributing that money frictionlessly all the way to that end point. And um, I think that's a desperately needed service in healthcare in Australia. Yeah. Well, and and to do that in healthcare, you obviously... It sounds like a pretty critical part to all of it is 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 playing nicely with those practice management systems, and I guess as well also the the accounting systems and other. You you, you need to integrate with a lot of things to do what you do because you've got all these disparate systems and you're the bringer together of all of that. You can use that one if you like. It's not that good, but you can, <laughs> you can use that. Um, how, how so relationships with those like vendors and partners and all of that is pretty critical. How have they progressed over time? If you look about practice management systems, for example, um, you know, I, I would guess that some would be very happy to 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 work with someone and say, you know what, we're going to do practice management and you can deal with that side, whereas I'm sure others would, and you don't need to name a shame, but I'm sure there'll be others that are like, you know what, we're going to try and own the whole freaking thing so we don't want to work with you so how does that work i guessed it wrong look i mean there are some practice management systems who came out recently who wanted to get into payments i mean talking about your other hat peter like meta optima are practice management systems going to get into skin cancer detection technology Mm. right i mean those use cases, you would just think, well, that's ridiculous. And so then you think about accounting, not only for the practice, but for the individual practitioners who work in those practices. Do practice management systems really want to get into automated bookkeeping for all of those moving parts? Do they really? Mm. Do they really? I um, I think they might have thought they wanted to, but I think the progression of time has proven that that is a fairly ridiculous proposition and I and I don't think that there are many that hold on to that anymore. Mm. And um, I think if you look at uh, the world of B2B software technology in general, what we are seeing is a clear move to a stack of technologies where individual solutions work on something that they do very, very well. Yes. And that's all they do. And then they then play nicely with all of the other solutions in that stack at a reasonable price point for each solution such that the combined tech stack offering to the end user is a very, very powerful combination of the best of breed from each layer in that stack. And I guess as well with everything moving to everything moved well, in every other industry except health, everything moves to web, allowing greater integration, meaning it you don't have to have one system that does it all. As long as everyone plays nicely with each other, then you can actually start to solve some big problems. So, Absolutely, and um, that's what healthcare needs desperately. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, out of curiosity, how's it been playing with the accounting guys, like the accounting systems and all of that? Because I always think health, we're so like, strange compared to other industries um how how's fintech and all that kind of world going because you get to see a little bit of both 
I do, and uh, healthcare fintech is such an exciting space. Right. Like I love being in health tech. I love being in fintech, and uh, yeah. that the flip side of that is that uh, trust in the accounting industry is a long and hard earned mm. position. Mm. Trust in the healthcare industry, I think, as we all know, is that's what comes back to that patient capital I was talking about before. Mm. You need. Lots of capital and it needs to wait because to break down these barriers to adoption in healthcare and the accounting business, you know, these are substantial. So um, the reality is uh, we've got ZeroCon this week. Mm. So we're exhibiting at ZeroCon and they've got 80 exhibitors and we've been exhibiting at the last three ZeroCons. I've been to attending the last seven and they have ZeroCons in the US and London. And I can tell you now that um, there hasn't been a single ZeroCon with all those exhibitors that has had a healthcare exhibitor <laughs> except the last three that we've attended because we're the only one. Mm. And there's other sort of accounting business um, events that we go to, the Accounting and Business Expo, for example, 160 stands. How many do you think are talking health? Just us. And so you think about that in the context of the economy. It's 10% of the economy. There's enormous small business um, yeah. presence in in health um, and yet no one's talking about it and so if you think about it from the accountant's perspective like say you're an accountant and you want to focus on health mm. you know you might have some specialists some GPs some dentists mm. and they're going to use different practice management systems they're going to use different online sources of income they might do some work in public hospitals so you're an accountant looking after these practices and doctors and you know, via bookkeepers or internal administrators, you get delayed spreadsheets, reports right. from all these different sources. Yeah. What if you could have all of that disparate sources of information streamed consistently in a single stream of income data, regardless of source? If you're an accountant or bookkeeper focusing on health, that would give you consistent, apples with apples, real-time, reconciled, mm. fraud-free accounting data on which to not only grow your business yeah. but to provide advice to your healthcare clients off the back of that consistent stream of data. Yeah. So there's enormous incentive, I think, for um, the accountants out there who are being told by the likes of Zero to focus on a niche. Be a niche and move up the chain in advisory. And if you're going to do that, what better tool right. than us to to enable that? And so that is the, I guess, part of the, the network effect or the channel effect yes. that we're trying to promote to that accounting and yeah. fintech industry. Yeah, and, and it's interesting thinking about that as a niche market, as an accountant. It's, it's, a, it's a group of customers being the doctors that have a lot of like – complex stuff to sort out i mean yes. it's not easy to do your own baz and gst and, and other kind of you know things to manage so I, I i guess there's all and then dealing with the ato i don't even want to think about which leads on to my next kind of question so you talked a little bit about it about regulation and what what role that all plays in all of this and um i i'm i'm gonna hazard a guess and say the ato doesn't make too many doctors lives overly simple so do you guys lend a hand specifically with with that is that how that kind yeah of and that comes back to what i was talking about which is taking the friction out of the 
the yeah. endpoint, which is the individual practitioner's financial affairs. Right. And so we're integrating that, um, you know, the, the patient billings, less the service fee and GST back to the practice, plus any GST the doctor collects, you know. I mean, most of healthcare is GST free, but there's yeah. always insurance reports and, you know, discretionary income that corporate they do. Stuff, yeah, yeah, corporate yeah. stuff that, that, yeah. that has GST. So that it needs to be accounted for accurately and, uh, and integrated. So or well, doesn't need to be integrated, but, you know, unfortunately what – a good half the industry is probably doing right now mm. is the um, you know the husband or wife of the doctor mm. might be using a pencil to fill in a pink slip activity yeah. statement. Yeah. Um, and what we've just seen with the ATO is they've just brought in um, a single touch payroll. You might have seen that. So all mm. small businesses, in effect, needs to, they need to have a digital payroll platform, mm. which you could imagine has been an enormous boost. For the likes of uh, Zero MYB QuickBooks and stuff, and their sure. their subscriptions now, for the individual practitioners, how long realistically are they going to be allowed by the ATO to fill out paper yeah. Yeah. bad statements? We all know those days are very very numbered. In which case, um, the good news is there's an automated solution available mm. right now, and all they have to do is go to their practice and say, look. Um, you know, there's a solution out there, surgical partners, which, you know, automates all of this for me. You know, I'm paying you, the practice owner, a service fee. Mm -hmm. What am I getting for that service fee? Yeah, exactly. And by the way, why aren't you using an automated solution instead of, you know, paying people internally, externally to, you know, Makes sense. do spreadsheets? So, again, I think that's part of the, the network effect where we're already seeing it where doctors who work at one practice or – you know, work at more than one practice, have mm. our solution at one practice, and they go to the other practice they're working at, and they're like, "Why can't you make it? Yeah, easy for me." That's always a good. That's always a good sign, though. That's that when when, but that's what happens in health. Though, you know, it's that that hub and spoke approach, and that's yeah. it's the referral thing. So that's that's positive. That's good. That's so good. I think in summary, you know, the regulation coming down the line from the ATO. I mean, we see yeah. that as a as a major tailwind for us, and yeah, um, yeah, yeah. obviously, we're preparing to you know be that sort of mm. default automator of um, that financial information. Yeah, cool. So, like, d different thought thought train now. Just thinking, a few months ago, I remember Afterpay came out and said they're 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 making a bit of a foray into the into the GP circuit. Um, Afterpay being that um, emerging retail platform that. I've not used it myself, but you know you can you can buy stuff and pay for it after. I guess that's how it how it works. Um, so so that that's making its way onto the GP's turf. Like, what do you, what's your take on that? And and does that impact you at all? It absolutely does. We uh, Westpac was an early investor in our business because they wanted to bring a. Amongst other things, they wanted to bring a payment solution to market. And, mm. uh, you know, we're actively involved in a number of the payment solutions that are coming to market. Um, you know, the likes of, um, you know, uh, CBA White Coat, for example, we've yeah. been actively advising them on the way they integrate into practice management systems okay. because the way they remit their payments back into the PMS mm. and the way they settle into a bank account has enormous implications for the way we take it out the back of the PMS and present it for reconciliation against that settlement yeah. inside the ledger. So yeah, cool. um, that unique lens we have on the industry is in effect a way that we can certify different payments providers. So yeah. 
do you – so if you're a practice owner, you come to us and say, well, which payments providers are going to make my bank rec easier? Well, use this one because it's integrated and they remit back into the PMS really neatly. But don't use this one because it's a nightmare to reconcile. Despite all our advice to them, they're not listening and they're not making it easy for you, Mr. Practice Owner, to reconcile. Mm-hmm. And to have that check and balance and to prevent fraud and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So looking at Afterpay, I mean, um, Afterpay is a really obviously exciting payment proposition, which is taking the retail world by storm, as we've yeah. seen. And so um, what we've also seen is fantastic take-up in more discretionary lines of healthcare. We've seen enormous take-up in uh, sort of laser skin clinics. Obviously, yeah. um, more on the regulated side of health, we've seen enormous take-up by the, the corporate dental providers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, off the back of that, G- uh, Afterpay is clearly looking at health more broadly. Now, um, to your question around GPs, I think... You know, sure, GPs are doing more cosmetic discretionary business at the margin. We're mm-hmm. seeing more and more of that. So clearly there's a, a case at that margin for afterpay. But besides that, I mean, we're still at 86% of services bulk build yeah. in GPs. You know, and those bulk building practices, they might do some vaccines and stuff that they charge for over the counter. But again, is that a case for afterpay? Probably not. And mm-hmm. so um, generally speaking, I would say that a um, – Afterpay or buy now pay later services is has a fairly limited opportunity in GPs. Yep. Other than that cosmetic side, and the other thing to keep in mind, I was talking before about the importance of integration and reconciliation. Well, Afterpay, I think it integrates to uh, might be one of the optometry solutions. It integrates to software of excellence in the dental space, mm. but it doesn't integrate into any GP product. No. And the other thing, it's a nightmare to reconcile at the moment because they settle net of fees and the fees are big with yeah. Afterpay. They're a good 4% or that order. Don't quote me on the number, but yeah. it's a big number. And so they they settle net of that. So reconciling the whole amount yeah. is a nightmare. And then the other problem with Afterpay is that um, let's say you're a GP practice and you take it. You know, you're taking somewhere between 25 and 40% as a service fee. Mm. Jeez. 4%. Of that, 25 to 34 is going to – I mean, what, are you going to up your prices? Are you going to pass that on to the doctors and say, right, doctors, if you want to take afterpay, well, that's coming out of your pocket. And so that comes down to all these sort of contractual issues, which, again, which is stuff that we are in a position to solve. But I just wonder, in GPs in particular, is there that – big opportunity for afterpay? I'd say it's it's narrow and limited, I would say. What about – Blockchain and crypto and all those kind of cool, funky, um, other kind of payment things get me excited too. So, is this, is this should this kind of stuff be on a doctor's radar at all? I mean, a patient's going to rock up with their, you know, their crypto wallet and want to pay for an item twenty three with a piece of their Bitcoin or however it works. I mean, <laughs> how does that how does that all kind of play out? Or maybe, but uh, that to me is just another payment method. Yeah, and it's not going to fly if it doesn't integrate. And uh, so if someone comes up with a viable payment integration for accepting Bitcoin into practice, we would happily advise them on how that should be reconciled and distributed to doctors and no one else will tell them. Um, So we'll happily do that. But um, look, I can't see that happening anytime soon. And um, I don't think that's something that um, average doctors should be concerned about anytime soon. However, there are some relatively exciting propositions that are – you know, bubbling up around insure tech and okay. how to leverage blockchain models um, 
to broaden um, health insurance, uh, particularly amongst the allied space, dental and allied. Yeah. I, you know, I, I hear a lot about this in my tentacles in the fintech world. And so, um, look, I, I think there might be a, um, a potential use case there. But again, um, the allied health is not particularly a big market for yeah, us so yeah, yeah. um and while we're talking about uh, blockchain i mean there's a lot of uh, talk about blockchain for healthcare uh, a lot of use cases out there for healthcare and mm. you know um uh, we're talking about this before but in my view um you know should practices be thinking about blockchain in terms of um you know um personal health information transactions should it be ta- should they be thinking about blockchain in terms of um, you know financial transactions at the back end? And my general view is that healthcare is just so damn hard as it is, just integrating simple um, transactional events as it is, and that's between existing data stores and the way they talk with centralized data stores, be it the My Health Record or be it um, um, our data store, which is you know trying to process financial information. And mm-hmm. so um, what that boils down to is um, you know commercial relationships and integration relationships with all of those different data stores, i.e. PMSs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that requires APIs and all kinds of connectors. Um, where those connect to, whether that's a, you know, a Mongo database like we use, or um, you know some of the you know prolific database um, you know uh, that are in use everywhere, or whether that then gets swapped in for a you know a blockchain-based platform, mm. then the one thing that's not going to change is the need to have all of those connectors, all those APIs into all of those existing silos that we know exist in health. Yes, and so yeah, I think. Those kind of use cases in health for blockchain, are, look, I think they're interesting, but I, I, I just don't think they're a practical need or reality. We've got some more terms. immediate issues that we probably need yeah. to resolve, like getting rid of fax machines. <laughs> yeah, just the, just the basics. <laughs> um, let, let, let's wrap it up. What's what's next for you guys, surgical partners? What's on the on the radar or on the horizon? Um, look, we've got uh, some fantastic penetration in uh, in GPs, and um, we actually came from um, specialists, mm. and uh, you know we've got some really exciting integrations that we're going to announce very very shortly, and um, we're already out there talking about them, like uh, the likes of Genie and ZMed, which um, will really open up our um, you know our uh, you know practices abilities to use us which is really exciting and um what we're also working on is um integrations to um you know these telehealth providers for yeah. example or online health services providers um because they've got a number of interesting models which i think that um we can really provide that sort of frictionless back end to distribute mm. that money to the um to the doctors and in some cases to the practices so um we see that as a real opportunity the other thing um we really see is uh Opportunities with um, you know public hospital payers, um, and finally, um, I guess a frontier for us, which we've just dipped our toe in, is dentistry. Um, yeah. We've got some major integrations that uh, that we'd like to do there, and um, it's the normal sort of wrestle with the established practice management system providers. But yeah. it's um, is it much different in dental than it is in, in, in here? I've never really played in that game too much. Everyone thinks they're unique, special and different. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, the answer is they're not. 
Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, it's, you know, I've been, as you mentioned before, I've been beating the streets for five or six years and you just keep knocking on the door and yeah. one day it opens and mm-hmm. we think that day and dental is not too far away. And a lot of it comes from um, customer pressure. Right. Customers just want yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, the customers know they're not going to get it from there. Yeah. Customer being the doctor or the, 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 the provider, practice, yeah, the yeah, corporate, yeah, yeah, yeah. big users of you know the PMSs. Mm. Yeah. So. Excellent, Marcus. It's been it's been great to to have a chat. We'll put all the put some links and stuff in the in the show notes from uh, from the podcast. Um, thanks so much for coming in. Yeah, it's been great. Really enjoyed it. Cheers, Peter. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch. Go do some stuff on our socials and website. Share it with some people and give us a nice review and a five star rating because it all helps to spread the word and get people talking. Until next time, I'm out of here.